Hey, welcome to the How to Write a Novel podcast. The Valentine's Day episode. Recorded one day before Valentine's Day. But that's when this will come out. So, uh, Valentine's Day is the one-year anniversary of the book that I wrote last year. Wrote this book about the video game The Last of Us. It's the first time I finished an actual book. And I put it out that day because the the DLC for that game, the Left Behind DLC, came out February 14th. And I was like, that's a good idea. I should fucking buckle down and finish that book and put it out that day because the fact that it ties into an anniversary related to the game might be a good way to promote it. And I wrote a little press release and I did all this weird shit. And I was thinking I could talk about that, but it's just, it's a big topic. I think I'm gonna save that. But of just what I learned putting out my own little ebook. And there definitely was like some interesting shit. It didn't work out as well as I had hoped that it would. But on the other hand, things happened that I never could have foreseen. Like I made a little press release for it and it got a write up on the Czech Republic version of IGN. It's just really weird to just see a website that's all written in check and to see the book cover and just see like my name and occasional little words that I understand and the rest of it I'm like shit I don't know what this is this is cool though didn't expect that and then I think kind of the ultimate lesson in a way it's like I had my little fantasies of like oh maybe I'll become this awesome fucking video game celebrity man of like whoa this guy wrote a book about this video game but uh that did not happen and then it's one of those things where when you look at the actual landscape it's like okay yeah so I mean there are all these books about video games which is what kind of inspired me to write my own lord knows I didn't hear about any of those books on their release you know I found them all years later and there is no like one book about a video game that's like an especially big deal they're all just kind of a thing a little niche thing that if you're into it you're into it And yeah, ultimately, I learned many, many things from putting out that book. And the most valuable thing about it was just that I finally did finish a book and I've learned, I learned what that's like. I'm like, have this new uh, feeling of efficacy where I'm like, fuck yeah, man, I did it once, I can do it again. And you kind of get that like gravitational slingshot of like, I did that and it wasn't successful enough that that it's like, alright, this is what I'm going to do now. I'm just going to become a guy who writes books about video games. I am going to write some more, but not right away. It was good in the sense that as far as like writing a novel, I feel a lot more confident that I can do it. I have a much better workflow and a much better sense of how I can get things done. But also it kind of closes off that avenue. It's like, okay, that's not necessarily the path forward and that's like a good thing because then it leads me back to fiction writing it's like okay time to stop putting off the fiction thing because with the nonfiction book not only was it just easier to write because it could be more freeform and it had a more distinct structure because the structure of the book is just the same as the structure of the video game but the idea that I'm just writing this niche book about something that interests me that I always just intended to put out for free So I don't need to worry about 
editing it. I don't need to worry about submitting it places. There's a whole extra layer of stuff that is never gonna, a whole layer of stress that I'm just like, whatever, I just don't need to worry about. But now that I've done that and I've gone down that path and I've seen what that's like, it's like, all right, cool. But there's no reason to do it again anytime in the immediate future. So it helps spur me back toward writing a book. It's like, okay, writing a book is gonna be a lot tougher to do. And going through these official channels and doing all this stuff I've never done before as far as submitting a book and dealing with actual publishing and that whole world and that whole potential minefield of rejection. It's like, yeah, I think I'm ready now. I'm ready to do that. Because I already did the other thing. I already tried the other avenue. I tested it out. I have a better sense. Because you never can know what something's going to be like until you try it, you know? You can have a good sense. You can have information from other people. You can do research. But you can't really know until you do it. You can't know if your book about a video game is going to sell a trillion copies or just be a little niche thing that you get some nice emails about you know you can't be sure till you do it and the real value is in doing it not in uh not in the results the truly valuable result is a personal result is like a personal i did it i did it and now i am more self-assured in the future so yeah, there's many aspects of that process of trying to promote a weird ebook that I can get into sometime. Oh man, I'm on the... Whoa, shit! I'm on the uh, kelp-covered rocks again. Gotta be careful, trying not to fall down like I did last week. Uh, Writing-wise, so yesterday I finished up this chapter that I thought was finished and then I found extra information about it. Yesterday I talked all about it, about the thing I added that I was very pleased with. And then yesterday I made sure it was all sewn up and all finished up. And at this point, trying to do this first draft, I'm not going too far out of my way to go back over stuff and reread it over and over. Like I'll save that for subsequent revisions. This time it can be pretty rough, it can be pretty shoddy. As long as the basic ideas and structure are good, it's okay if like specific sentences are clunky or they don't all flow especially well. Right now, the forward momentum is what's important. So uh, I generally don't revise and look back over these chapters too much at this point. But this one, I guess, because it was getting into some, uh, some kind of heavy shit, some deeper shit of like, whoa, man, I've faced down death. I've seen death and I survived and I will survive it again. And I had it go really even a little extra manic of just like having having the character think like, you know, if I avoided death once and I avoided death twice, maybe I can avoid it forever. You know, if I always act first, if I'm always the first to strike or the first to dodge, if I'm just always on top of the ball, in a weird way, maybe death isn't as harsh as I thought it would be. Maybe it's not as difficult to avoid as I thought it would be, which is crazy talk and is demonstrably false based on the fact that her whole species is almost extinct and like she's just lucky. She's just goddamn lucky. But she's like cognitively reframing to herself of like maybe what if I'm just the most amazing badass of all time? And yeah, so it's kind of nuts and it's kind of just a coping mechanism 
and it also has a the potential to just be too much just to be too drama-rific just a little overblown so I did read that part over quite a bit last night just to make sure I could smooth it out as much as possible but I still I don't think I'll really know it won't be until you know I come back to this book in a year or whatever when it's all done and read through it all at a quicker pace as a complete piece of work then then I'll be able to tell like does this fit is this too much right now for now it's fine I'm just gonna leave it so I gave it a little extra TLC but uh, but I'll worry about really determining if it fits or if it's too much later so I had that chapter all done moved it from my in progress folder to my first draft done folder so then the next chapter I've got notes laid out for it where it's just uh, that I'm gonna have our protagonist Surat come across a sort of a town bazaar or like a little temporary marketplace type of thing and just looking at that briefly this morning I was like okay like I like that as a basic idea but but that really is the barest bare bones it could possibly be like I can't just write she comes across a thing <laughs> like even though every chapter of this book is a different day that's not necessarily going to be obvious to people so I got to find a way to make it clear that this is not the previous day still happening that this is a new day and again that's just just so boring just like hey she's walking along and she comes across a market you know like I just that's way too bland and but that's literally all I got there's really nothing in my mind to spice it up so really today's goal is just to come up with some way to start this chapter that's just more interesting because there have been a lot of chapters of this book basically all of them I mean they're just about her wandering around on a weird alien space station but that's happened enough times already that you know I gotta just gotta do something but I guess that's the problem that is the trick that's the eternal struggle is I just know I don't have what I need but I really don't know what I need <laughs> if I knew I would know and definitely the trick to continued momentum for me is definitely just to compartmentalize don't worry about the whole picture don't get overwhelmed by the enormity of the whole story just worry about this one little thing this is all I got to worry about today I just need to think of something to open this chapter to make it interesting so that someone might give a shit to continue reading you know I definitely remember like reading I guess I first noticed it reading the first Hunger Games book I really like the Hunger Games movies but I read that and I liked the first book enough but I never kept on with them the second one got pretty bad pretty fast but it reminded me of something I'd forgotten about about books for younger readers is the cliffhanger like the idea of getting to the end of a chapter and you're just like whoa that just happened I have to turn the page I have to know what happens next like Hagrid opened the Chamber of Secrets are you fucking kidding me holy shit <laughs> like I gotta read this and this book will not have that type of thing that's even kind of I'd say not really the kind of author that I am I'm not that's not the kind of thing that I think I would excel at because it's also so easy for those to not pay off like in like Goosebumps books 
It's like, oh, the mummy's hand touched him. Ah, and then the next page is like, oh, but it wasn't a mummy at all. It was just his friend Pete. And like, fuck that, you know? Like, if you're gonna do that, it's gotta be good. To do it bad, it's better not to do it at all. And even though the chapter cliffhanger is just something I don't feel like would fit with my type of writing, is not something that I feel like I have a particular aptitude for, I do respect it. And I was like, oh yeah, I forgot that books did that when I was a kid. Like, I like that. Because adult books, books for adults, deliberately don't do that. And it's just brutal. There's so many times I've read some book that it's like, oh, it won a bunch of awards and everyone thinks it's so great. And it's so fucking boring. It's just so bland. And it's, I guess, because it's like, hey, you're an adult. You're expected to have an attention span and you're expected to stick with this. Well, no, man. No, I won't. Fuck you. <laughs> this is boring as fuck. Like, I think there is some of that sense of the excitement of reading a book when you were a kid that should carry over into being an adult. Why are our books so boring? Why can't we have exciting shit happen? <laughs> you know? Why don't we want to turn the page? Why is writing for an adult treated like reading a textbook? Like it's just work that you're expected to do. Well, I ain't gonna do it, motherfucker. So even though that particular technique of the end of chapter cliffhanger isn't what I'm going for, I do want to keep up that level of interest, you know? Even in, not in a direct way. I mean, my story has very little action in it. That's not what I think is interesting. I really do think just little idiosyncratic moments and dialogue between characters, just people hanging out in a way is what I like. But I want to make sure that even if, I think the only fans of my work will be people that also like that stuff. But that still doesn't mean they're just gonna automatically like it. Oh, these big ass waves. I still want to make sure each of these little moments is enticing and stands out in some way. And all I've really got, I mean, I guess in my mind, I've just got very vague things floating around of like, just little markets I've been to. Like on the top of my head, there is the game uh, Quest for Glory 2. It's an old computer game. It's set in this like Arabian ancient city. And you know, there's just like the little bazaar you can go to and you can buy stuff. So that's kind of floating in my head. There is a farmer's market from my hometown, Fredericton, New Brunswick, that is only open on Saturday, I believe. Yeah, and then the north side one is Saturday and Sunday. But like, you can get these samosas there that are delicious. They're the best samosas I've ever had in my life. Like everywhere else I've traveled, they're not even remotely as good. But you can only get them on this one day. And the lineup is ludicrous. And uh, so that's kind of floating in my mind that that's the thing. And I was thinking of the Junction neighborhood in Toronto. There's this point I would always walk past that it's like just an empty lot where there is a little farmer's market on the weekend, but I never walked by it on the weekend. I only ever walked by it during the week when nothing was there, which is also an odd little image of just like, this is gonna be cool in two days, but right now it's fucking nothing. It's not even a parking lot, it's just nothing. So that's it, that's all I got. And I don't know what to do with those. I don't know how to connect any of that shit. Maybe I shouldn't even jump straight to her walking through the station and finding the market. Maybe that's too sudden. Maybe I should open with the traditional, like, waking up if it's a new day. Because that, uh, 
She has like these little quarters that they assigned her, but all the quarters on this station are very, very small. And she's very, very large relative to these fucking squid aliens that she's surrounded by. So she doesn't like to be in there. Feels uncomfortable, but they do have a museum that has an exhibit of like basically a church from her culture, from her planet. And even though she never gave a shit about church while she was back on her planet, she likes staying there because it's the one place that is at least visually similar to where she grew up and that reminds her of where she grew up. So sometimes she just sleeps there. She just sleeps in the exhibit. So as far as the new day dawning, I mean, that's all I got. Either she wakes up in her little room or she wakes up in the church. And even that's already happened before, so that might not be a great opening. I don't know, like I just don't know. I don't have anything, I really got nothing. And if I really can't come up with anything, maybe I should just shake the Etch-a-Sketch and just come up with a whole different idea for this chapter in general. I just don't want it to be stale. I just don't want it to be boring. I'd rather not have a book, <laughs> you know, than write a, than just like struggle my way through. Like if I feel like I'm writing and I'm like, I know this part is lame, I know this part is boring, but I just gotta get to the next part. Fuck that. Then I shouldn't be writing at all. Like, fuck that. So many books in the world. So many years left ahead of me, theoretically. There's just no need for that. It's better to go slow. It's better to be careful. It's better to be meticulous. It's better to make this be what I want it to be. Even if it takes a little extra time. And it won't take a ton of time. I mean, the more you do this, even though I really got nothing, I still feel quite confident that by tomorrow I'll have something. Because I just always do. I always come up with something. You just throw yourself off the cliff, and if you just keep flying, then... <laughs> flying it sounds so pretentious. That's one thing that'll be interesting, man, is if I finish this book, and if people like it, then they can listen back to these ramblings and be like, oh, listen to this guy, what a genius. He fucking pulled it off. He knows what he's talking about. But if I either fail, or if it's just a garbage book, what if it's just a piece of shit? What if it's one star on Amazon? Then people can listen back to this and be like, listen to this, fucking idiot. Like, can you believe the hubris a human is capable of that he thinks he knows what he's talking about and he's got all these declarative statements and he thinks he knows what's going on. And look at this piece of shit book. This is the book people read at parties to make their friends laugh. You can pick any random sentence out of this book and it's terrible. <laughs> like, only time will tell. Only time will tell if any of this rambling is correct or if I'm way off the mark. But it makes me think of, as far as like, buckling down and making sure that stuff is good. I love stories about the old Simpsons writer's room, like the oral history of the Simpsons is a great book. Because the Simpsons for the 90s, like of the decade of the 90s, unbelievable what a great show. Like, just incomprehensibly good. Just so fucking crazy good. But then after that, you know, the, the jury's out about where it all went wrong. A lot of people are like, I don't know, season like eight. Whatever season the Armin Tanzarian episode happened, it's like, that's the beginning of the end. But I thought that episode was great. I liked it. All the way up to 10, pretty good. Even like, once you get up to even like season 12, you're like, this still kind of feels like The Simpsons. This is acceptable. But I mean, at this point, we're in the mid 20s. It's garbage now. And it's been garbage for, I mean, it's, it's more garbage than good at this point, which is just sad. But when you hear the stories about the old Simpsons writer's room, like, it wasn't just coincidental. It wasn't just lightning in a bottle. There were a lot of factors of just the right people at just the right time with just the right fucking 
chip on their shoulders and just the right attitude about comedy and about the world that they wanted to fucking present. But also, they fucking murdered themselves. It's crazy how long they worked on every episode. They would write a joke that if they laughed at it 30 times, but then they didn't laugh the 31st time, not good enough. And it really worked because back in the day, I used to watch The Simpsons three times a day. Like it was on syndication, once on CBC, twice on Fox, every day. And I would watch it every day and I would love it every day. There's like a handful of episodes from that first decade that aren't that good. But the, the amount of quality, it's, it's crazy. But that didn't come by accident. And it's not coincidence that now that they've had the same showrunners for dec- like a decade. And it's just lazy. It's just so lazy when you watch that show. You're like, well, you guys don't care. You don't care at all. You don't care and I don't care. So I want to follow that spirit of the old Simpsons writers of like, fuck it, man. This needs to be good. This needs to be not only good, this needs to be the best. The only difference is that uh, hyper pressure worked for them because first off, they didn't have any choice because it's a show made on a distinct schedule with harsh deadlines and it's a group endeavor and they just, they had to stay there long into the night to get this thing done. Whereas I'm in a different spot, since it's just me by myself, that level of pressure will only destroy me. (laughs) They will not have positive returns. It won't work. In the long term, there's no way I'm going to bring this project to completion if I'm harsh that way. But that's where you get the cool Catch-22 Zen aspect of you can get these, these more tough, what's the word I'm looking for, like a tough rock like a hard solid results you can get solid results through the opposite means of going light of approaching it with a light touch of like the fact that i'm going to take today with just this tiny little goal all i got to do is get this chapter off the ground i just got to come up with something i don't even need to necessarily write it just a, a point form notes are fine i just need to come up with something to write tomorrow that feels right, that feels good, that feels a little exciting and a little like the right tone. Because the tone right now is boredom. The tone right now is is pointlessness. (laughs) And if I really can't come up with something, then roll it back. Take all these notes, put them back into the slush folder, start again. Come up with a whole new concept for chapter 13. But yeah, the idea that this light touch can lead to more concrete results is really interesting and really neat. Much more effective for me. So that's my goal for today. For the song of the day, where I always like to find a little song that gives me writerly ideas and might do the same for you. There's this band called Plum Tree that uh, it's what Scott Pilgrim was named after. They have a song called The Ballad of Scott Pilgrim. Or maybe it's just called Scott Pilgrim. Anyway, I'd never heard of Plum Tree, even though they're from my neck of the woods. They're from Eastern Canada. But I'd never heard of them until the Scott Pilgrim comic. And then this song is, it's like a playlist that Brian Lee O'Malley, he would always post in the comics, like, here's songs that inspired me in this particular volume. And somebody compiled a bunch of them on YouTube. So this is a plum tree song called Your Mouth Shoots Off. Your mouth. 
Canadian accent, your mouth shoots off. And it's such a cool song. It's just got this tone and these lyrics about this girl who is saying like, if you want me to speak my mind to you, if you want me to get in a fight with you, I'm willing to do it, but only because it's you. And I love that notion. It's so cool. Like it just really does kind of sum up this like idea of a character for me. Or like it reminds me of when I worked at this cheesecake shop. There was this girl named Maya who worked there who was like really nice, just like really positive, really cool. And we both got caught working on Christmas. For me, it was just because I was on the West Coast. My whole family's on the East Coast. I'm like, yeah, whatever. You need me to work Christmas? I don't care. I'll fucking work Christmas. Who gives a shit? It's just another day, all right? And like Christmas Day is kind of busy because there's always a lot of uh, English second language, like exchange students in Vancouver. And Lord knows they don't give a shit about Christmas. They just want cheesecake. Man, people from Japan love cheesecake and don't care about Christmas. <laughs> so, busy day. However, it was also the time I decided, like, I'm not going to volunteer to work on Christmas anymore because even though I had nothing else to do, still weirdly depressing. It's like, oh, I can't believe I'm working here on Christmas. What is wrong with me? Somehow she got stuck also with the Christmas thing. And she really tried to get out of it, but nobody else was around to take her shift. It's like one of those things that I would have, except I already had the other shift, you know? And that was the closest I'd ever seen her get to losing her temper, is that she was stuck there on Christmas, and it was way too busy, and she was just miserable. And it was one of those things that, like, when people are really uh, bubbly and positive, it's nice, but it's also a little creepy to me, because I'm not like that, you know? I can put a good face on things, but to just to a, a limited degree, you know? Once, it, once the facade breaks, it breaks fast and hard. And yeah, when someone's extremely positive, it's like, it, it hits a point where it's like, is this a strong attribute anymore? Or is this like weird? Is this covering something up? What is going on here? It gets a little strange. So actually, I almost kind of liked seeing Maya get kind of pissed because it's like, hey, look at that. That's human. That's a normal response. That's, and it's okay. It's okay, man. Get pissed with me. <laughs> we work at this dumb, shitty job. It's Christmas. We should be pissed. And ultimately, in a weird way, that kind of like made my day better. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, I don't know what that says about me, but uh, but that's what I think about when I hear this plum tree song is a person like Maya, a person who doesn't want to get upset, doesn't want to be angry, wants to keep a positive mindset and a friendly attitude. And in the case of this song, I like the idea that it's like a person like that is like in a relationship and the relationship is important enough to her that she's like you know what for the sake of this relationship for the sake of things working out between us for the sake of things getting stronger I am gonna get mad I am gonna fight I am gonna argue I don't want to we're gonna make this happen as little as possible but it will happen and I will allow it to happen because it's important it's more important that this work out than that I maintain an even keel. So that's the, uh, that's the emotional state. That's the personality type I think of when I hear this song. 
And it's one of those things that I have no story ideas specifically for that or where that would go or what that would mean. It's just floating in my head. Like maybe someday in some story, this will be appropriate. This will be a useful person to be able to draw from. So, here's Your Mouth Shoots Off by Plumtree. I hope you enjoy it. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Speak my mind, I'm... Speak my